Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. Good evening, gearheads. Welcome to your Sunday night with Speed City. We really have a great show tonight, power pack show tonight. This is John Massengale. I'm sitting in the studio here in Austin, Texas, and I'm joined over Zoom by my cohorts, Jonathan Green and Les Kaiser. How are you, gentlemen? Man, doing great. Doing great. Well, let me run down what we got on the show because we have a great show. We're going to start off talking to Leo uh, Garcia from... Circuit of the Americas, he's the VP of Facilities and Track Operations. We're going to talk about the track resurface in just a moment. And in a few minutes, we're going to talk to Ollie Milroy, who is at Daytona racing in a McLaren out there. And so he's going to join us live in about 30 minutes. And then later in the show, we're going to talk to Cuban from Super Lap Battle. So we got three live guests, and we just interviewed a really great young race driver, Ben Barnacote, and we're going to play a clip or two from him, and we'll put his entire interview up on all of our platforms, YouTube and podcasts and all that stuff. So we have a great show tonight, really excited, but I want to jump right in and introduce our first guest, because if you haven't heard, this week, Coda finished up the a major resurface out there at the track, and we have Leo Garcia, the Coda's VP of Facilities and Track Operations on the show. Leo, welcome to Speed City. Hi, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Well, thank you. I guess you get to get some rest now. No, it's not over. (laughs) (laughs) No. Well, Leo, thank you very much for coming on. We really appreciate it. I know you guys talked to a lot of press this week about it, but uh, having you on here for us is really a privilege, and we thank you very much. Appreciate it. Well, why don't you start off and just give us an overview of exactly what happened with this track resurface? So basically what we started out was uh, Texas A&M reached out to us. We've been working with them for a long time and volunteered some of their services. So Texas A&M has a transportation and pavement institute where they get involved working with TxDOT. And since since they work with TxDOT in the area, we figured they would be an ideal partner to help us evaluate some of the issues that we may be having. So they came on site. Basically, first step was to uh, take all the data we had from the soil and the um i'm sorry from the asphalt we sent it to them for review to see if there's any any advice that they would give the installation company or the paving company of maybe adjusting to polymers maybe anything that may have to do with the weather and the installation process they came on site and brought a couple of pieces of equipment uh, ground penetration radar some lidar they did some 3d mapping on the track and then they use the ground penetration radar to look at multiple areas throughout the track that we feel might have had some anomalies that would have caused some of the issues. So at turn 10, it was very evident for us. What we found was that uh, there was a piece of conduit that was running across the track that didn't show up on our prints. Uh, so then we, we did some excavations and we realized that there was a piece of conduit that was probably flexing at turn 10 that caused uh, some of that indentations there. So that was kind of an easy fix. But turn two was probably the bigger problem because nothing on the print showed what was underneath the ground. So the ground penetration radar probably went about three or four feet deep, didn't show anything, didn't 
um, indicate there was any weakness in the soil. And so then we did some, some digging in a couple of different spots and we determined that it was actually pretty dry. So then we were, the next phase was like, so what do we do about it? So they suggested we reinforce the, the, the foundation, which is on this, you know, road base. So what we've done is we came in there and added about 10 inches of concrete, reinforced concrete, reinforced rebar, and created our own zone of compactation at turns two. And we went, did the same thing at turn 10. So we think that those two changes that we made will allow us to keep those indentations uh, from coming back up. Plus it allows us to, if we had to kind of create our own environment where if we had to come back and mill, instead of being right at the turn where the driver was leaning into in, at the apex, it allows us to now have, you know, if, if the concrete does float, it's away from the turn. That way, if we had to come in and mill, it wasn't going to be in an area where it was going to affect the driver. After that, basically, uh, the company came in and did the paving. Uh, they they had already done the milling, and they'll use you know GPS systems, what they call profiling, and create to make sure the track was smooth. Even though there's indentations all over the place, uh, we cut the track smooth. So then they'll come in and pave over it. It's a special mix. It's not a mix that you find anywhere. Uh, it has to be made, different polymers, different rock sizes. So the contractor typically has to change the, the machines that cut the rock to make it smaller for us. So it's a big process. The, the, the mix uses different polymers, different hardeners, and it's not something that, um, you know, you just go down there and they just pave. So they work with us, found the great days that were going to be the warmest, which was something recommended by Texas a to make sure we find the days. So we paved. 12 through 15 first, uh, basically one day because it was a short run. We're able to do that. And I think the transition at 12 all the way through, it's, it's amazing. It's super smooth. Uh, we've done a couple of tests on it and, and one of the cars. And we think the transition to, and the way everything flows, it's, it's, it's a massive, massive improvement. Uh, we did a little bit of work at 12 because we got some complaints of different levels as the cars were coming across at the apex at 12. So we milled that back two inches, leveled everything out, then repaved on top of that. And again, that transition, I think, is, is almost seamless now. Uh, from there, we picked a couple more days where they were going to come in and do some work at uh, two through um, 10. So we did the first run all the way to about seven, six or seven. We stopped there, and then we started the following day. Luckily, we had great weather, closer to the 70, 74, 75 on one day, which allowed the mix to uh, – kind of stay hot so when they started working on the compactation they were able to kind of get on get on it pretty quick and and just stay on it throughout the day and so then i think those transitions also from from 10 i mean two all the way to 10 now are in great shape it's super smooth especially the s's that's probably hasn't been that smooth obviously since probably since installation uh so i think it's going to make the track super fast super safe i think the drivers are going to be more aggressive there and we'll see some of that speed carried through through that area Wow. Well, Leo, uh, that's, that's really amazing because I'm very familiar with the Texas A&M Transportation Institute. They, they get quoted uh, by the national government. They're, they're yeah. one of the foremost transportation experts in the United States. And uh, the fact that you guys have thought of all of these things and all the technology you're using, I mean, it's befitting of the, you know, the circuit here in the United States that's for the pinnacle of motorsports that is Formula One to have the pinnacle of, of transportation consultants. And it sounds like you guys have, uh, have, have thought of everything. They were great. Uh, they were great to work with. They came in on site with all their equipment, uh, very personable people. I, I really pre appreciate their, their professionalism and just kind of laid back approach to helping us. They offered it from the get-go. They said they were here to help. Uh, and so they did. Uh, they reviewed the asphalt mix that we had. We sent them all the technical data, what we had from our records plus the contractor sent them the data. They pretty much said that everything was right on. They reviewed the, the samples, they reviewed all the data that of the mix that was made live was sent to them for them to review. They basically said they don't think there's anything wrong with the mix. They don't think there's anything wrong with the design of it because it is based off the original design by Tilki. Um, you know, there's been some variations. Obviously, the, the quarry where they get the rocks from no longer it's been 12 years deep so the rocks may be different so there's little variables that we kind of think about or we don't think about 
uh, they just felt everything was fine with the ground penetration radar. They made some comments in a couple of different areas, but nothing that showed that there was separation or the road base was falling apart. I don't know if people realize, but there's a liner underneath the track when it was built and there's 15 low, what we call low point drains. And so every day the track team, that's what they do. They go, they set the low point, the low point drains and then pump the water out. The liners in place, number one, to keep the water from, from around the area to come up into the track. And then it's got the drain so that way the water that does come onto, we're able to pump out. And we do that daily. So it's a, it's a, it's just a maintenance program that we have in place that was kind of designed from tilting. But Texas A&M, you know, from the ground penetration radar to the LIDAR, 3D mapping has given us a couple of points where we know we're going to have to come back and mill at some point because we see a little bit of already uh, of the changes, but it's minimal. Uh, in this case, I'm hoping that the, the concrete uh, foundation that we came back and took the road base out, poured concrete, uh, hopefully those those areas are going to be exactly what we need to keep that that area flat for a much longer period of time. Leo, I got to ask because um, I've done both two wheel and four wheel, and you're up against it when you're dealing with both Formula One and MotoGP because they're so they're so different in terms of their requirements. And then you've got NASCAR, which is another different requirement, if you will. Um, so it's not easy to please everyone, but. The main reason, obviously, the bikes are the most precarious because there's a body hanging off it. Uh, and I just wondered how much um, crossover between, I think it's Franco Ancini who basically gathered together the thoughts of the riders after last time they came. And there was obviously a lot of complaints um, because of those big bumps at, at the places you mentioned. So will MotoGP come here before and sort of, if you like, you know, tick, tick the work you've done or, 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 or kind of say, yeah, that, 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 that's fine. Or, or how does it work? So Franco and I have become, you know, pretty good friends. We talk over the stand uh, of the year and for the last two or three years that I've been. So we communicate regularly. So I keep them up to date and typically I'll, I'll create a report and show them everything we've done. You know, obviously they're very demanding and there is a different level of expectations as far as how smooth the track is. And so then it doesn't obviously translate to the cars. Cars are a little bit more aggressive. They can cover more ground. And, you know, when I when you asked me, we're pretty much done. And the reason I said we weren't done is because now we have some transitions that we have to work out. There are some areas on the rumble strips meet the new asphalt that just don't line up exactly. So we'll have to come back and make some adjustments to some of that, some of those areas. And so that's the next phase that we're working on. But before we get ahead of ourselves, we also want Franco to come on site and drive around the track and just kind of get a feel for the things that we've already done. So I kept him posted pretty regularly uh, along with the with Bill Combo at the AMA. I'm putting up an email packet together so I can send to the FIA. Additionally, uh, Tony Cotman that's here in the States, uh, he works for the FIA. He's kind of like the local guy. Uh, so I'll send him in some information, invite him over to come and take a look at it. Uh, I mean, I can attest that the track looks amazing. It's super smooth. The work that the guys did and we put, to, you know, everything we put together, I think it's going to be very effective. I mean, the S's haven't been done, redone since obviously since the beginning and we've milled it a couple of times. So those bumps are, are kind of there for a while, but now it's, it's really smooth. I had to slow the car down that I was driving because I, I couldn't, it couldn't stick to the ground. It's <laughs> just, it just transitioned so fast now that, that uh, I think they are going to be some adjustments. I think how fast they go into the area that they can kind of carry the speed. Uh, but I think the riders and the drivers are going to be pretty happy with it. Well, there's one thing that uh, you'll know all too well, but many people in the audience may not know that when Formula One goes to a track, such is the forces of braking that they, they are, it's well known that they ripple corners up, especially going into somewhere like 12. So they'll almost push the surface of the tarmac forward. And of course, that's a worse nightmare for a, a motorcycle rider because he's basically going off what almost are like mini whoops in motocross. It, has there been any technology or is there is there anything you can do about what is just an, an innate problem when you have both Formula One and MotoGP at one place? So that's why the design of the asphalt is different. The asphalt, if you read the rule book, the rule ba book basically says you're supposed to use new and modern day materials. And so then if you sit, sit down and think about it, who uses new modern day materials is highways, right? So the highways can handle the load, they can handle the speed, but none of it can handle the acceleration, the braking, the lateral Gs that are forced upon it. So that's why the mix that we use is different. 
It uses different polymers. It's harder. The rocks are smaller. It creates more area for everything to, to mesh together. And that's why we use the mix that we use, even though the rules say, just do whatever. Whatever's new and modern is what you can do. But we all know that that's not going to work. And so that's why the mix that we use is specifically designed to withstand the lateral, the braking, additionally the speed, and then obviously the weight of the vehicles because of the downforce. So it's not a run-of-the-mill uh, asphalt that you just kind of throw on the highway by no means. And that's why it's an expensive adventure to do this work at the level that has to be done as opposed to just going and paving your parking lot. Leo, I got a question for you. you you've pinged most of my questions already, but there's one sure. that's still out there. Uh, traction. Uh, I I was on Texas World Speedway right after they repaved it and everything, and, and they'll call it a very green surface or a very green track. Yeah. And I'll say it took a lot for the track to, to wear in or to not have that green surface and really have the traction build up. How will you prepare for MotoGP guys coming here i know there are well, some track day weekends and things of that but is there anything to to prep it otherwise no typically we'll just run the cars the cars will over time will kind of wear it where where uh, you know some of that oil off kind of create some of that roughness that that will happen that's the advantage of our track is how often we use it it allows us to see and work it differently than some other tracks that you pave and you have to wait for the race so i think that we have you know it goes hot on the 28th or 29th, which we'll start getting feedback from the drivers and, and how the cars, but obviously they'll have to be aware that it's going to be kind of slick in some of the areas because some of the buildup, we'll typically clean it. We may run some oil dry on it, depending on, on where we go. We might use some limestone powder to kind of get it in there, kind of help dry things up. So it just depends on what happens in the next several days. And any recommendations that the depart that the uh, the contractor has for that. Uh, so I think the the racing and in any recommendations, which typically last time last year what we did is we threw some limestone down. And it's only because we had a hot track within days of paving. Here we've we're, we're already, we've been done since Wednesday, so we've got this weekend. All of this next week we got to do some work. We'll run some cars. We'll run the sweeper. Uh, so I think uh, I think we'll be we'll be pretty close to being ready by the time the track goes hot this weekend. But I'm figure after a couple of laps and the cars on the track, then I think we should be we should be in good shape. Right, definitely by the time I've got before Moto gets is, here. I remember that uh, when I was first out at Coda, I, I was one of the lucky few that got to go around when it was dug down in the ditch. Uh, yeah, Al Mays took me for a ride <laughs> that time, but. Uh, one of the things that was really amazing was how much water the track surface could shed. Will all of this work change any of that? I mean, it was like inches an hour that it could shed. No, nothing's changed any of that. The French drain and the conduits and everything that's in place is there. We, we won't touch any of it unless there's a, a concrete rumble strip that's, that, that doesn't mesh up as close to as we need it. We may have to do some work and, and if that happens, then we'll get into the conduit. But beyond that, none of the conduit's been touched. In those areas that we're working right now, everything's still in place. We worked within the track limits because the conduit for the French drain, it's typically either in concrete or a different asphalt. The only part of the track that has the racing asphalt is between the white lines. So if we had to do anything like that, that repairs pretty quick and we could bring in a contractor to, to fix any of that. But no, we haven't we we haven't touched any of it in these zones, so we don't anticipate any issues. Mm. Uh, Leo, let me just That's ask amazing. you just to be just to be clear. So uh, you were talking about two through ten. You said two through seven. So are you, are you so two through ten? The entire strip that all those current turns were done. Correct. So we went. I mean, we've had already paved from the bottom of one all the way through the other side of two, almost getting to the first bridge. But that's where the bump came back. And so then this time around, what we did is we, we started up at the between one and two. We, we ripped all that out. And right there where the, where the bump was, where the indentation was, is we poured concrete. And then from there, it literally goes from the middle of one and two all the way through almost turn 11, probably about the 100-foot marker, I think, the 100-meter marker, break marker all the way to there, which is just, I mean, very close to, to turn 11. 
And then again, we started at 12. We came back from 12, went all the way back to where we initially cut it, which is probably at the 50 foot marker, 50 meter marker, all the way through the turn 16 where, where the new asphalt started. The last go round two years ago, we intercepted that area. So it's, it's basically two all the way through 16 where it picks off from the repairs that were made two years ago. What would you guess, or do you know, what percentage of the entire, I mean, you sounds like a lot of the track. What would you guess percentage-wise? I would say almost 90% of the track's been repaved in the last two years. The section from just basically the hairpin at 11, and then the front straight, basically from uh, just past the apex of 19, all the way through the bottom of the hill at turn one, is, is the old stuff. I would say about 90, a little bit over 90% of the track's been repaved. Leo, I've just got one real quick one, but just give our audience, perhaps some of our international uh, fans, uh, a sense of just how the weather in Texas. Living here, you understand it, um, but maybe some of the guys who are coming from MotoGP or Formula One don't understand what happened in 2015 and just how heavy weather in Texas can be. Yeah, I mean, that's been a tough, a tough situation for us because we've had floods in the area, two floods that were supposed to be five to 600 or a thousand year floods. In 2015, we had this massive flood that it rained during obviously the F1 race, but a lot of people don't realize that shortly after the F1 race is when we got inundated, where the entire track was flooded. We had tons of water, tons of damage, millions and millions of dollars of damage to the facility, to the track. Uh, and I mean, it was to the point where the canopies at the main grandstand were completely shredded. Uh, we have video of a modular unit, one of our mods that we use for office space, literally being picked up and tossed over the Armco and Tech Pro. Uh, it was a substantial, substantial, massive storm that brought in tons of water that flooded both tunnels all the way through the medical center into the event center, the first floor of all the garages, probably six to eight inches was completely flooded and so it was massive it was a massive amount of water that the property you know can't manage because we're not designed to, to to deal with that so then you had that massive flood which we believe ex accelerated a lot of the problems that we're having on the track because you know we are not a complete solid foundation area although we do have a lot of rock in some of the areas some of the other areas does have a lot of soil that's very pliable and so then that accelerated a lot of the problems that we started having early on because right after 15 is when we started having a lot of the problems on the track a lot of the movement and then we also had this massive freeze about a year ago uh that we believe that where's what we noticed we didn't we noticed that the bump at or the indentation at 13 the one at 10 wasn't very very evident uh but richard one of the guys that worked for us who's on the track every day knows it like the back of his hand He's the one that brought to attention. It's like, hey, man, it looks like at 13, there's an indentation that wasn't there. And it was like weeks and weeks after the winter storm that we started to notice it. Uh, but one of the things that we didn't notice before MotoGP got here was the bump at 10. It's really not even a bump, guys. It's really an indentation because there's a conduit that was there that was creating a void. And so it was sinking or shaking and moving, and the asphalt actually created a dip. And so we think those two big factors obviously contributed to the movement of the track and then we we feel that it's going to we as a company have acknowledged that that is something that's probably what we're going to have to be dealing with for years to come we just have to prepare and every time we open the ground up we need to do some kind of reinforcement to make sure that we're taking the necessary steps before we pave over it um so i mean that's that's the point or that's the stance that we have is that we know this is something's going to happen you know it's it's hard for us because you know we have other track rentals you know, we're also part of the community. We do a lot of things around the area that try to make sure that we're a good partner. And sometimes it gets frustrating for us to hear the negativity about the track, the track, the track. I mean, it's not all that we do here. You know, we, as CODA, we try to do a lot of different events that we try to be a part of the community. So sometimes when we hear all this social media stuff, the track and all these complainings and stuff, it's, it's difficult for us to hear when we know we're trying and there's some things that are out of our control. We can't anticipate when things are gonna shift, when the rain's coming, when it's gonna get so hot that it dries everything up. And a pop, you know, people don't realize that our buildings are moving. And so it's just not the track, it's the entire property that I have to deal with in preparation from a door can't open to a fire riser room. And that's a city violation. 
And so it's a constant battle for us. We're always trying to fight this problem that it's not just the track. It's the entire property. It's the entire community. Leo, the entire town. Quite entire honestly. town. Yeah. Yes, sir. Leo, thank you so much. This has been fascinating. Awesome. I wish we had about another hour to talk about this. This is really amazing. And thank you guys for doing what you did. That's uh, And it sounds like you did it exactly what it was needs to be done. So thank you very much. And thank you for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks guys. Yeah. Appreciate it. See you soon. Okay, see you. See you at Bye. the track. Bye. All right, guys, we're going to go straight to break because we have our next guest waiting to join us. Uh, we have Ollie Milroy, who is at Daytona on the track. We're going to get to talk to him shortly. You listen to Speed City Live from Austin back after these messages. Hey guys, we are very excited to welcome our new sponsor, Allstop Brewery, to Speed City. These guys make a fantastic beer, and I'm going to let Jonathan talk about it, but I'm going to tell you about it. When I tasted it, I am not a big beer aficionado. I like a nice cold beer, but I'm always worried about a craft beer or a new beer that it's going to have a funky taste, especially aftertaste. This beer was fantastic. I have absolutely no... Uh, no qualms at all that this is my new favorite beer. But Jonathan, you know why? What makes it so special? The water and the recipe? Well, yeah. I mean, these guys have done their research and do it right. And they've even imported the right water to do it right. I mean, it, it, I tell you, this Allstad beer, fantastic. And I'm, uh, you know, most Europeans are snobs about their beer. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm definitely one of those. Because, You're definitely a snob? Yes, okay. about my beer. Okay. Uh, <laughs> because there's no question, carbonation has always been my issue here in the States. It's over-carbonated. And our lagers, our pilsners and lagers in Europe, um, uh, especially German ones, are not that heavily carbonated. And that's a, a key thing. And that's the first thing that uh, hit me was just how well they've done the beer. Uh, it's based out of Fredericksburg. It's, uh, it's got a great tie-in because obviously Fredericksburg, a German town, and now they've got a Texas German beer, and it's cracking. Yeah, and the uh, the facility out there, it's amazing. They've, they've really done it right. It's really fantastic. So so check it out. You can get it at all the local HUBs and everything else, right? Yep. Uh, it's around all around Texas. You can get it. Uh, they sell it in... Uh, uh, on on the shelf there as a Texas beer, but uh, I'll tell you what, you're in, right back in Germany when you drink it. And it's Altstadt Beer, A-L-T-S-T-A-D-T, beer.com. Altstadt Beer, A-L-T-S-T-A-D-T, beer.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Talk 1370, the right choice. Hi, this is Mario Andretti, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, back, back. welcome back to the show. Sunday night with Speed City. 
fantastic interview with Circuit of the Americas about the new track surface. Very excited for that. But now we're very excited to have our next guest. We have Ollie Milroy. He's a driver for Optima Motorsports driving the McLaren 720 GT3. And very excited to have you, Ollie. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, how was it out there today? It uh, it, it looked like a crowded track, but everybody kind of minded their manners. It was, yeah. It was uh, it was really good fun. It was actually my first IMSA race and my first Daytona 24 hours as well. So it was um, a big learning curve for me personally, you know, with the DPIs, the LMP2s. I raced at Le Mans last year, so I've got experience with with uh, the hypercars and LMP2s there. But, you know, it's it's different when you put sixty car, over 60 cars on a much sort of shorter track. It's narrow. Uh, the circuit's really technical. It's bumpy. So uh really good fun really uh it was it was a really enjoyable race huge experience and uh important for myself and the whole team obviously going into next week Ollie, tell us a little bit there's so many different marks out there and i think what's unique about the the daytona race is not only where it is on the calendar i.e the first international race but also the gathering of so many different drivers and so many different marks i'm currently doing the toyota gts down in new zealand and obviously the McLaren is close to their heart because that's where he was from. Um, but tell us about the 720. What, what, you know, what are the, the characteristics compared to your competition uh, that you like or, or, or you know, uh, that you're, you're learning about the package? Um, it's, yeah, the McLaren's a great car. It's any pro or any um, amateur driver that gets in the car really gets on well with it. It's a great car to settle into. Uh, it's predictable. Um, we're even saying today, obviously, one of the unique things about this championship compared to other series that we do is is that you don't have tyre warmers. So you leave the pit lane on cold tyres, um, which is really hard work. But the McLaren is really actually quite strong out of the pits because it's so predictable. As a driver, you're quite happy with the thing being sideways um, for, a, for a few corners and sort of, you, you know, you can really feel at home in the car. Um one of the great things is top speeds, a, a strong, strong characteristic of the car, which is really useful for racing. Obviously, uh, it helps us defend. It helps us attack. If you've got a car that's good at the end of the straight, it really, it really helps. Um, we're good on the brakes as well, which round here we've got a few heavy braking zones. Obviously, there's only five braking zones on the Daytona circuit, but uh, they're all five of them are pretty heavy braking zones, and the car's strong on the brakes. And it, the brakes stay really consistent over the whole race. Um, I'm sure a lot of manufacturers will say the same thing now. You know, these cars are so well built and so well designed that a 24-hour race now is just 24 hours of sprint racing. Um, you know, we're not, we're not <laughs> thinking about saving brakes. We're not braking 20% earlier to make the brakes last longer and worrying about brake calling and stuff. Everyone is just pushing, you know, you're braking as late as you do in quality. Um, for 24 hours so yeah so it's 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 great it's good i mean we'll we'll see you know when everyone all of the manufacturers all the teams really show their hand i think we'll be in the second half of the race next week so but so far the car feels great we're really happy so um we're, yeah we're looking forward to it ali i got a two question two-part question for you number one i mean you said this your first time I, i'm assuming this is pretty close to a bucket list race, this big 24-hour race here in the United States. But but also, let everybody know your background, because obviously you're a very experienced race driver. Yeah, so I started in karts when I was about five years old, um, worked my way through karting, had a scholarship with BMW when they had the Formula One team to then move into car racing on the BMW Junior program. Um, did some formula racing, and then made the move over into GT cars and sports cars to try and uh, make a career in sports car racing. And here I am now, uh, that was sort of 10 years ago, I made that switch. Um, <clears throat> and I've been racing with Inception Racing now for two years. This is my third season with them. Um, the driver that I drive with, uh, Brendan Areeb, uh, he's the bronze driver in our car. Brent, it's actually only Brendan's, this is the start of Brendan's third season of GT3 racing. Um, he's doing incredibly well. Uh, we, you know, he's had some great results and as I say, very inexperienced. And um, it's one of the uh, awesome things about GT racing is how you get this, this pro-am dynamic where 
where these guys that have been successful in their in their businesses and other lives have now you know decide they want to be racing drivers and there's i mean how incredible is it you can come here as an amateur and race at a massive professional event like the rolex daytona 24 hours so um it's as my job as a pro now is 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 a lot different to when you know back in single seater racing it's all about yourself you're totally selfish all you care about is your own lap time your own performance whereas a huge part of my job now is coaching and mentoring Brendan as well, because the faster Brendan is in the car, the more happy he is in the car, the, that's going to have a huge impact on my own result, the team's result and performance. So, yeah, it's, it's you know, a lot of people, when you watch this on TV, you kind of think all we do is get in the car, drive the car for that hour stint or two hour stint. But especially in Pro-Am, there's a whole other huge element to it. Yeah, Jonathan. I find that amazing, uh, Ollie, is, is just that factor. And I, I do think, I know, you know, those of us involved in motor racing and, and, and watch these 24-hour races know the dynamic you're talking about. Um, but I, it, it does amaze me. There isn't another sport in the world. It's not, it's not like any amateur or, or gentleman driver, as you mentioned, could suddenly say to Roger Federer, hey, uh, can, I, can, I, can I play the first round against you? Uh, and see how I get on. I mean, I'm not being, I'm, I'm not being flippant, yeah. but, but that's the level we've got to. Is that hard for you as a professional to, to deal with? Or, or, or are these guys, you know, because of the coaching or because of the work they do with you, are they up to scratch? Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and these guys are, are really important to all of these grids at these big international races now. You know, the, the pro-am classes are... I mean, in 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 IMSA now, it's not it's not even called pro am because you can't call these guys amateurs. They're at that level now. The amateur driver level is that high. You know, it's just the GCD classes. Mm-hmm. These guys are proper racing drivers. I mean, there's times now when I look at the timing screen and watch Brendan out there, and I think, okay, I've actually got to get in this car and actually push now to go quicker than him because it'd be really embarrassed if I don't. Um, <laughs> you know, there are times when he puts me under pressure, and, and you know, if, if ever we look at data and he's a tenth or two quicker than me somewhere you know i hear about it for weeks so um <laughs> these guys these guys are seriously good um and speaking of data that's i think that's the reason why these guys are so good now is because we've got access to all this onboard video data when we're testing we actually have live video so i can be in the garage with a headset on watching brendan's live video talking him through the lap you know use a bit more curb there i want you to break slightly later here and so it's just instant. And that's why with, with the mileage and the time and the effort, you can get these guys up to speed really quickly. Well, Ollie, one of the things that uh, I, I love the 24 for, for the length of it, for one, but uh, the history, you know, I mean, it, uh, we just had Mario Andretti bring us back in. You know, he won it way back when as well. But these endurance races, I mean, you stated that they're, almost a sprint nowadays well if that's a sprint what is a six-hour race and these 12-hour races and what is different in your prep for that because i six hours i'd be dead (laughs) yeah the physical element is huge um brendan my teammate he he uh tries as much as he can to leave either the rain or the dark or both to the pros you know it's like so whenever we do a 24-hour race i tend to do a lot of driving at night um it's uh the cars the cars themselves are physical it's very hot in the car that's the biggest thing is the heat you lose a lot of fluid so we have a physio and nutritionist here who ensures that we're eating the right things all the time leading up to the race uh drinking the right amount of fluids um and you just need to be fit enough you know there's no other sort of easy answer really just just get in the gym, go out on the bike, go out running. Because uh, the fitter you are, the easier it is to drive these cars. The easier it is to drive, the better you're going to be for performing when you're in the car at four o'clock in the morning. So uh, it is a sport. Um, friends of mine that have been friends of mine since we were very young kids at school still joke now, oh, why do you need to be fit to drive a car? I drive a car, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, but but you do, you know, it's a, it's a proper physical sport. And and like I say, if you look at a lot of these these amateur drivers, these gentleman drivers walking down the pit lane, they look like athletes. You know, these guys are in the gym as well because they know that they can squeeze that extra few tenths out of that lap time just from being uh, 
being fit enough. Well, everybody's going to be watching next week and everybody enjoys the 24, but I'm probably like a lot of people where, you know, um, we're not as glued to it or at least understanding of it as we are of, let's say, a Formula One or a NASCAR because there's, there's so many races that we, we get to learn more quickly. Tell us a little bit about, you mentioned the stints um, and obviously the physicality, but how do you go about your strategy? Is it the fastest guy that you've got that qualified the car to go first? Or do you think, okay, um, this guy's a good night driver? Or do you react on the fly? Okay, we've lost a wheel, so we need to catch up. Well, how, do, how does it work in, in, a, in a normal um, you know, approach to the 24? Kind of a bit of all of those, really. Um, I always love a, a, a pre-race brief before the 24 because the engineers have written out a plan and they'll start going through it so ollie you're going to start and do the first hour and then you're going to hand over to jordan who's going to do a double and then and then they kind of get through a few hours and realize they're actually wasting their time telling you this because it's going to change um <laughs> you know so so um yeah there's you definitely have preferences so like at le mans last year one of the guys was in the car it was drizzling with rain on slicks in the dark which I really personally really enjoy those conditions being, you know, brought up as a kid karting in the UK. I had to learn to like the wet. So, um, so we got him in early, put me in the car for that stint, you know, and then there's, there's guys that when you, when it comes down to crunch time at the end of the race, are just super fast, all out, everything on the table. And they're, they're the guy you put in at that stage of the race. So it's, um, yeah, it does change. You, um, you kind of try and have a rough plan, but, but, that that can change all all the time throughout a 24-hour race so um yeah uh, rest rest is important as well the engineers will base a lot of their plan around driver rest because you can be greedy now with a driver early and early in the night and put them in four or five hours and you know and then but then they are going to underperform when you want them in the morning at nine o'clock the next morning and with these 24-hour races, it's very easy to get through the night and think, oh, well, we're nearly finished. But actually, you've often got another six or eight or even 10 hours of racing to go once the sun comes up. So, um, yeah, so some some of that strategy is also based around driver rest as well. Fantastic. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, we know you've been to Coda. I remember you liked it. Uh, did you have it on your schedule for this year? Um potentially potentially uh in a gt world challenge america race so um yeah it's, it's a shame because we're, we're actually uh there's, there's a plan that you know we're potentially going to be doing uh the world endurance championship but that will come together so it's a bit of a shame because i know those guys have visited you in the past but um but we'd love to come back and do the gt world challenge america race at kota it was one of my favorite races last year actually we won uh pro-am and gt world challenge america there last year it was very Again, it was very heavy rain, <laughs> um, and I'm in the car. I was in the car, and as I say, I really enjoy the rain. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a great circuit, and great. I've been there many times with McLaren as well for our events there. So, doing over 300 kilometers an hour in a P1 GTR down the back straight there was definitely a, a <laughs> highlight. So, really good. It's even smoother now. It is new. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> great, awesome, awesome. Yeah, Ali, I no, saw. I'm looking forward to coming back. I saw you guys at Coda the last time, Optimum Inception, and that looks like a real first-class operation. Yeah, they're a great team. They're a really great team. Uh, Sean Goff, who's the team principal, um, you know, it started off as a small little team based in Yorkshire, and here they are. I think last year we had 20, 24 or 26 race weekends all around the world. Um, when we made the decision to do some racing over in the U.S., it was – uh it, it was a huge huge um ask to get a, a british team to run a car out here with uh, a british crew we've got some a couple of the guys are based in the us we've got cars based in the us as well but primarily a british crew so it's a lot of hard work and a lot of logistics involved um but yeah and and, and the guys are great the guys are great they they work really hard as anyone involved in motor racing knows it's a huge team effort we actually have the easy job you know <laughs> we're always we're, we're always uh there a couple of hours after the guys get in in the morning we always leave before them in the evening i'm like guys do you even go to bed <laughs> um so yeah yeah really good really good bunch of guys and hopefully you know that's that makes it so rewarding whenever we get a result it's it's such a great feeling you hear the emotion 
over the radio from every one of the team members. And you realize what it means to these guys, you know, yes, everyone gets paid, you know, that's how we make a living. But, but anyone that's been involved in any kind of sport will know that, uh, that the results mean so much to everyone. So yeah, yeah we'd obviously do everything we can to get them a result next weekend. Well, Ali Milroy, thank you for coming on and best of luck this next weekend at the Rolex 24 and uh, we'll, we'll save a spot for you when you guys win and we'll get you back on. Awesome. That sounds good. I love your confidence. <laughs> <There> <laughs> Thank you. you. <laughs> Thank, you so team, my dad. <laughs> Thank you guys. Thanks. Thank you, Ali. Thanks Ali. We'll, t- we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Thank you. All right. We're going to go straight to break. When we come back, we're going to have the guys from super lap battle on that are coming to circuit of the Americas. Listen to speed city live from Austin, Texas back after a quick break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. When you leave the Circuit of the Americas today, you need to go check out our friends at Iron Wolf Ranch and Distillery, just 40 minutes west of Weird in the beautiful Spicewood, Texas. They produce a wide variety of unique, award-winning spirits, including bourbon, whiskeys, gin, vodka, and rums. They're kid and dog-friendly with yard games and Crego's Pizza and Wings on site every weekend. Enjoy a full bar, tasting room, bottle purchases, and live music when you visit the ranch. Check them out on Facebook and Instagram, and always ask for Iron Wolf at your favorite bars and liquor stores across Texas. Iron Wolf Ranch and Distillery, Old Spirits, Texas Attitude. If you want to know where the path to Formula One and Indy begins, it's three simple letters, VRD. VRD Racing of Atlanta, Georgia are dedicated to nurturing young single-seater drivers on their quest to the pinnacle of motorsport. Having just wrapped up the team's championship title in 2021 in the F4 U.S. Championship, VRD also has programs in FR Americas, the all-new USF Juniors, and the Road to Indy. VRD is the perfect environment for success. If you want to join the team, go drop them a DM on Instagram at Velocity underscore RD. Austin's Talk, 1370. Hey, this is Kurt Busch. You're listening to Speed City Radio. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back to the show. Your Sunday night with Speed City and Les Kaiser. I'm going to let you introduce our next guest. I'm really excited for what these guys are about to bring to Circuit of the Americas, but I want you to introduce them. Man, you're right. You're right. This is awesome. This is what this is my people <laughs> building killer cars in a one car garage or uh, and uh, turning out some just wicked things. I mean, it's everything from being built in a one car garage to a big giant million dollar shop. But uh, Super Lap Battle is taking place February 19th and 20th at Coda. And this is one of the funnest events you can go to. It's a spectator event. Come on in, buy it. Buy ahead of time online for like 12 bucks a person. Come on, serious. Two days of serious high speed performance, and there's lots of exhibitions and everything. Cuban, welcome back to Speed City, and we're anxious to see you here at Coda. Hey, great being back. Uh, you know, the first time on with you guys, I was hoping we could make this a yearly thing, and look at us now. You know, we're three years deep. <laughs> Y'all awesome. grown up now. Look at this. <laughs> this is awesome. Hey, Cuban, what's, so, your, what's your role there? Uh, okay, so at the event, you'll see me on the live stream. Anyone who can't make the event, you're too far away. 
if for whatever reason you feel $12 is too much, we might have to have a talk about that. But if you can't see us live, you could always catch us at globaltimeattack.com slash, I'm sorry, youtube.com slash globaltimeattack. That's the live stream. That's where everyone knows me for the most part. The competitors actually know me as a different role. Uh, I'm the chief tech steward. I am also the person that helps write the rules for the event. So I have a pretty big hand in just the back end stuff. You know, as far as making sure the event runs smooth, that job is about a thousand times harder and I have nothing to do with that. So let's let's not lie to each other here. But <laughs> I got a big hand in all the back end stuff and making sure that everyone watching knows what's going on. And, you know, can just have a good time. This is the kind of sport we want families to come to. So, you know, dad, mom, kid are there. Dad understands. Mom kind of knows. Kids like, dad, what's going on? That's what I'm there for. Awesome. Give us an idea of um, who participates and in what. I'm sorry. Can you cut that one more time? I do apologize. I've been having internet gremlins in my new home. So it's <laughs> it's been cutting a little bit. Yeah, no, I was just interested. Tell us a little bit about who uh, is attracted to um, your event, what kind of drivers, uh, and what kind of marks and cars do they bring? Absolutely. So Time Attack as a whole is is something that's been growing bigger and faster in this nation than we ever thought possible in the last two or three years. But these are car enthusiasts, people such as myself, you know, who used to go to the store to buy car magazines because there was no such thing as going on Google or opening YouTube and being able to see these cars so easily and abundantly. We have private shops all the way up to big, big, big teams bringing cars that they have built. It is a mostly import sport as people think about, but anyone who's been watching recently knows that's that that barrier has been broken. One of the fastest cars out there is a Chevrolet Corvette owned by Ferris Cartoumi, and he's going for the overall record. So as, as a whole, this brings car enthusiasts. And the cool thing about Time Attack is it bridges a gap. I mean, Les knows. Like, these are Les's people, okay? Car people physically just want to be around other car people. If you're a drag racer, you're going to find love in Time Attack because we're talking 1,000-plus horsepower cars. If you're a track guy, you're going to find love in Time Attack because that's all we do. We race to be the fastest around a racetrack against the clock in our class. Um, if you are someone who wants to see the extreme – this is what we do. You're talking cars from stock street trims at our lowest class to cars that have more wings than airplanes and create more downforce than they should be able to push. And, you know, I know Les has been there. You guys have seen it. These are things that you physically can't see without being at an event like this. It really is, uh, you know, almost any type of build that you come up with, there's a class for it. There's a bracket to get into. And it is, it's really so cool. I saw, I remember a couple of years ago, there was one of the uh, cars that was narrowed, you know, it was a, a street car that looked like it was cutting down the middle and then pasted back together. The life motors course skyline. That's what you're talking about where you could see the tunnel right down the back. Yeah. Oh, it was so <laughs> cool. There's all kinds of creative ways to go fast and putting things together. And so, uh, you know, definitely it's a great combination of people, lots of performance, uh, you'll see all different kinds of things. Great ideas. You had a fantastic group of vendors out there last time too. Well, we we hope to continually bridge the gap and grow. And we're blessed enough to be coming off our 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 biggest event in the sense of to the world. Uh, we were blessed enough to run at the Long Beach Grand Prix. We ran um, in between IndyCar and other racing. Ferris Cartumi was there in his Corvette. The Life Motorsport car was there. Jackie Ding was there in his incredibly fast street, street class Supra, most developed A90 Supra on the planet right now. Wow. And these competitors got to be pitted alongside professional drivers and the legitimacy that brings the sport, not just to us as the people who want to see the sport grow, but as a competitor, I raced the Long Beach Grand Prix, one of the longest and most prestigious street events in the United States. And that's what they're coming off of. So, you know, they're coming to Texas ready to bring the heat. Hmm. Hey, I got to ask, let's talk about lap times. It's in the name. So what, you know, we, we know what lap times are at Coda. I mean, if you're, if you're anywhere near two minutes flat, that's an insanely fast race car. But what about these street cars? So uh, all the way classing wise, um, we are in the low two minute barrier. I mean, our street class guys are in the 220 range. Uh, our overall record is at the 202 range. You know what I wow. mean? Wow. And I will, I will, or 208, 206. I apologize, 206. Still. Um, that record was set by the Life Motorsport GTR. He blew his drive shaft going around the last corner. He set a 206 coasting from last corner to, to timing line. Was that, was that an R32 or? R35. It's a newer Skyline. Okay. Um, that is a car that they've been working on developing. 
that actually, that is a car that they've had for so long. Um, they have a version of it that went up Pike's Peak. It's been to a World Time Attack Challenge. If everything goes right, you're actually going to see them debut a different car uh, this year. It should be a C5 Corvette that Life Motorsport has been building. Should have been there last year, but the owner had to go into back surgery, sadly enough. So timing kills us sometimes, but it just brings the hype for next year. I can tell you, though, Ferris Khartoumi set the production car record at Road America last year. And anyone who correlates lap times to what this versus what that Ferris is coming with a car that he believes is going to be the first car to break the two minute barrier. And if you were to ask me, and I am not a, an overstater of these things. I know lap times there people work years to take tents off. You know, this is something that I've loved for so long. I think you're going to see a sub two minute car this year though. I think you might even see more than one. Wow. Holy so, uh, so is there any option to somebody to actually get in and compete still? I know we're getting close to the, we're getting close, know. but the best part about this is it is a grassroots thing guys. So if you have a team, if you're a shop, if you think you'll have a car that's ready and at the caliber to compete with us, reach out immediately. Uh, we have a pre-registration form on superlabbattleusa.com. Please reach out. We want to put on the best event possible. We have a, a great list of cars coming, which to anyone listening less, John, you guys want to look this up. You just go to, superlapbattle.com sorry superlapbattleusa.com slash teams you'll see every car that's registered to compete you'll learn about the teams you'll see their results from previous years you'll see how some people have even improved significantly from year one to year three um so don't hesitate that to the people who are closer just tuning in or sure if you go to ticketmaster.com slash coda slash 2022 slb you can buy tickets for the event there pre-event 12 dollars 20 at the gate let's save eight bucks bring a couple extra people there you, Cuban, you say it's the 19th and 20th of February. Correct. So this can be this February 19th and 20th. And it is a time attack event that has always been the goal. But the biggest thing about this is we bring another grassroots motorsport with us that has grown significantly that we love. It's the grid life touring cup. Grid life is another event organizer. They put on their own time attack events, but they also have a, a build a car and enter wheel to wheel series. These are not people that have gone through 10 years of SCCA or five years of NASA or try to get into the professionals. These are people who build these cars to a true spec. Their rules are no joke. I, I know I write rules for a living. They have it broken down to the point where this is so competitive. You see C5 Corvettes, Porsche Caymans, hatchback Honda Civics competing <laughs> on an even playing field on a power to weight plus modifiers, what tires you run, what arrow you can run. It's, it's though I love spec racing as I'm sure you do because it brings the closest of fields. It can get bland over time when it's 12 E30 BMWs racing each other the whole time. These are cars you would never expect to compete next to each other running lap times within tenths of each other. I've seen their, their qualifying span first to 10th and everyone's within half a second. It's my birthday on February 20th. I have a friend with a roof Porsche. His <laughs> son is a mechanic. I got $12. Can <laughs> I, I cut I him off. He said enough. <laughs> he said enough. <laughs> Put him off. <laughs> Send him out. <laughs> I'm not coming, Jonathan. I can't afford the tires. So stop it. <laughs> hey, Cuban, we're out of it's time, buddy. They'll get you. <laughs> Cuban, thank you so much. This is awesome. Um, thank you guys for bringing this to Circuit of the Americas. And everybody will look at the website, check you guys out, and I'm sure you'll have lots of people showing up, and we appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Hey, thank you, guys. I mean, we were blessed last year. It was, it was. we didn't know what was going to happen, the pandemic, everything that was going on, and we put on a great event, and we had so many spectators show up, the love that these people had for the sport. We just want to see that grow. This is not, you know, we're not putting on a Super Bowl where I want 5,000 a ticket. Come on down, guys. You'll find every reason. The pits are open to you. Ride-alongs and drift cars. Car show going on the whole weekend and some incredible cars and incredible racing. So Thanks, Cuban. We appreciate it, buddy. Thank you for coming on. It's fantastic. We're out of time. We'll see you out there, Cuban. We appreciate it. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in to your Sunday night with Speed City. And we will see you next Sunday night. Ciao, y'all.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 